Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 234. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the acclaimed author, Jane Dwynell. Jane! Hi! <laughs> how you doing? I'm okay, and you? Good. You know what? It's not, you know what? Don't mind it. We're, as we're doing this recording, uh, it is, it is in the middle of January. It is pretty cold up here in Vermont and we're both talking together in Vermont. So Jane, you know, before we like, you just came out with a, you just came out with a book that, um, that really focuses on, um, it's called Alzheimer's Canyon, one couple's reflections on living with dementia. Would you consider this a, a a memoir or more of a, a handbook or how would you how would you kind of catalog this it's more of a memoir and actually i'm the co-author my husband's guy yardley wrote most of it he had dementia he was diagnosed in 2016 with probable early stage alzheimer's because of course they don't know until you die and they do an autopsy but um that's what we went with and um sky just he amazingly embraced this. I mean, he was devastated and sad and mm -hmm. cried for every day for like two months, but he embraced that he had this diagnosis and he was going to find out everything he could about it. He wanted to find his people, other people mm -hmm. with dementia. And uh, he did a lot of public speaking. We both did. And, and then he started writing and he wrote and he wrote and he wrote and we started a blog and he wrote as long as he could. He wrote until a, a little more than a year before he died. Mm. And, and he was still writing when he couldn't dress himself or bathe himself or feed himself. Um, right. But he was still writing. And after he died in 2021, I compiled everything and found a publisher. And here we are. And and you you got this published through the hybrid publishing house, uh, Rootstock Publishing, correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, and, and so how did that work? I'm just kind of curious as well is that when you when you put this this book together, what was the process like at one point did you say um, you kind of fall you know you, you, the two of you are kind of followed this journey for four years um, and at what point did talk about the process between pulling all those those blog those blog entries and into making it into a um, a memoir that kind of followed the path? I organized the blog posts. You know, Sky wrote about all of his experiences, but as we posted them on the blog, they weren't necessarily in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So I pulled them all out and and set them in chronological order of when it happened that he was writing about. And I wrote um, an introduction to each year about what we focused on. And then there's his writings and a few of mine and once he couldn't write anymore that's when i kind of took over talking about what happened that blog can be still found at, and i'll put the link in yep. the show notes is that alzheimerscanyon.blogspot.com correct right yep yep yeah and the um, and the blog of course being a blog has more you know it has photos and pictures and you know more stuff than what happens in a book, but but the book is more um, I don't know bookish. That's a silly thing to say. Um, and 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 part of it was 
he he wrote about his personal experience about what it was like to have dementia, but he also wrote about this fantasy world of Alzheimer's Canyon, one way in, no way out. And there are 11 episodes of what happens to this guy who gets flagged off the highway down this rutted dirt road to Alzheimer's Canyon, a place he didn't really want to go to. And how did it work for you too? Is when you when you sat down with Rootstock and uh, how much editing did they have to do? Because putting in a blog, it can be very raw and unedited, and um, and just how much did how much editing and how much did it change for those that might have followed the blog? Uh, how similar and how different are the two? Uh, they're very similar. I was very lucky to have a wonderful editor who is actually a friend of mine. Um, and, you know, I had a conversation with her because, yes, the blog posts, I was Sky's editor for the blog posts, but you're right, it's a blog, and he could use all kinds of crazy punctuation and capitalization and stuff you don't put in a book, but Marisa was really good. You know, I said, keep Sky's voice and do it, you know, edit it the way books are supposed to be and she did an excellent job of of maintaining his voice and getting rid of a lot of the excess that he used right. <laughs> was there was there any conversation as a, and how much you know through that hybrid publishing model how much say or was there anything in there that you kind of wished you wanted to keep in that they said well it just really doesn't flow like that we need to edit some sections out or did that conversation ever well, happen? Yeah, there was some editing partly because of copyright issues. Um, mm. Sky was a big fan of quoting song lyrics and you apparently have to pay extra if you want to quote <laughs> song lyrics. Um, and there was a wonderful blog post that our daughter wrote um, that it was decided to not include that in the final editing. Um, mm. Partly because it included a lot of song lyrics, <laughs> she inherited her father's love of song lyrics. Um, so, no, it was fine. You know the way it came out, it was fine. Yeah. You know? Right. And and so, I mean, when, when your husband passed, was this was it always the intention of talking to him before as to to publish a book on this, or is this an afterthought to say? we should put this into a book form. Well, I, you know, that's an interesting question. I don't think we ever talked about it blatantly. Um, mm. He was just so passionate about talking about the realities of having dementia. He wanted to help erase the stigma of the disease and, you know, did that as long as he could. And then actually he still did it in a way in his last year, he um, was at the Arbors in Shelburne. Um, and he loved being with his people finally. Anyway, no, it was, it was always in the back of my mind, you know, given that I had written three other books, like we're going to make a book out of this because there are very, very few books written by people with dementia, as you can well imagine. Right. Um, and so I wanted to add Sky's voice to that small elite group right and and so you know with that said how different was this process putting this book together as compared to 
Um, you, you came out with birth stories back in 92 and uh, freedom through frugality back in 2010. Right. Um, and, and then you also said you also had uh, another book that you came right. out about your um, universalist work. Right. Yeah. Big ideas for small congregations. That was in right. 2008. Yeah. No, I just wrote, I mean, that's like what I do. I write what I know, what I live, what I see. Um, and, and then that's what Sky did, you know, he wrote what he was living and shared it with right. us. Right. And how, so, so, so talk to us a little bit about that, that process, as you say, is like, at, is you decide to make the book. How did you find Rootstock Publishing? Was that something that you already identified ahead of time or you're, that you're familiar with or is, no, was there I some research involved? I wasn't at all. Actually, you know, my first book, Birth Stories, was published by a major publisher, you know, because that was the early 90s. That's right. what the publishing world was. Um, and for both Big Ideas for Small Congregations and Freedom Through Frugality, I, I pitched them to publishers and nobody wanted the church book, which I, I don't blame them. It was a very niche thing. So I self-published. Um, and I did have a contract with a publisher for freedom through frugality, but we ran into a few conflicts. <laughs> so I uh, gave them back my advance and, and self-published that as well. Um, right. And, and both of them did fine for, for being a niche market but i knew um that that alzheimer's canyon deserved a larger audience and deserved a publisher and um i tried a bunch and finally had success with rootstock is there a way like was there like a pitch involved or how did that work no they had a um you, you sent them the first whatever pages, I forget how many, 30, 40 pages. And, you know, so I did. And if I didn't get a phone call like 10 minutes later saying, yes, we want this, I'm like, okay, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just what happened. It was right. a pretty straightforward process. Right. And so how, what, who would you say, like, for instance, like that uh, Alzheimer's Canyon, obviously it's important for, for caregivers and maybe people that um, might need to learn more about Alzheimer's. But would this be also a book that would be specifically say uh, it's, uh, you know, for say like a, a general audience or who would this book be written for? Well, given that 6 million people in the U.S. have dementia, it's this book is for everybody because I suspect everybody either has a family member or a friend or a colleague um, or will have a family member or a friend or a colleague that has dementia. It's like way too common. It's the fifth leading cause of death in the U.S. And uh, so really this book is for everyone. Um, you know, particularly for people with dementia who are still able to read and interested in, you know, finding out someone else's take on what's happening. I have heard from several people who have early stage dementia who've read the book who said Sky nailed it, you know, that that yeah. was their experience as well of what it's like to have dementia. 
and and you know i there's a bit of what i say in there as um his wife and partner and caregiver which is no fun um and but it has to be done uh you know it's it's not easy to watch your beloved and best friend kind of drift away though he still was still he was still himself um to the end but to watch all those skills and gifts that he had as a person kind of disappear right yeah and how and and, and how much of this too like in this book is there an expectation where there's a um how much of it is is a as you say a memoir and how much of this is based off of like more like an advocacy piece to make sure that say like the medical profession learns more about this so that would be good yeah <laughs> if the medical profession could learn more about this you know i mean my first career was as a registered nurse and i worked the two ends of life i i ran the birthing center at gifford in the late 70s and early 80s and then i worked in a nursing home in a memory care unit and then i did hospice and you know in our culture people don't talk about end of life care and it was a real gift that Sky was like, okay, this is what I want. And we went to the lawyer and we filled out all the papers. And when it came time, when he was dying, it was real, it was easy because I knew exactly what he wanted and I was able right. to give him the death that he wanted. And right. you know, that doesn't happen to everybody. Right. And how and how much is it, have you noticed too, just from that advocacy perspective? Because now you've been you, you've been living and and being a part of the Alzheimer's community since 2016. So that's been seven years. Have you seen an increase in uh, in, in education for the general public when it comes to Alzheimer's and other dementia related disorders at all? I hope so. Um, yeah. I feel like. You know, like 30 years ago, nobody talked about having cancer. And now it's like, oh, you know, cancer walk, this, ribbons, like, you know, everybody talks about cancer. And I'm hoping that that's where dementia is heading, that it's not going to be so um, stigmatized and so forbidden. You know, I, I knitted Sky this brain hat that he wore all the time. And... People would say to him, you know, we were in Burlington. He'd be walking down the street. He liked to walk a lot, ride his bike a lot. People say, oh, like your hat. And he'd say, let me tell you about that. I have dementia. And, you know, and half the people would go, oh, huh, goodbye. <laughs> but then the other half would say, oh, my grandmother had that or my, you know, brother-in-law or whoever. And they'd want to talk about it. And and Sky gave them the opportunity to be able to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And now, so where do you where? And also, I'm just kind of curious as well because this book has a strong message. It's almost is there um, any conversations that you're having with Rootstock or with yourself with talking to um, other advocates of maybe making companion pieces to this? Um, any ideas of turning it into also some maybe. Uh, um, some caregiver modules or anything along those lines? That sounds like fun. No, nobody's talked about that yet. But I've gotten involved with the um, Vermont chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, and I'll be doing lobbying at the state house and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, we mentioned before you went on the air that you're going to be going to different states and talking about the book as well. Yeah, I am. Yes, I, I have 
engagements from Maine to California. And happy to have more if anybody wants to get in touch with me. <laughs> public speaking, readings, libraries, bookstores, whatever. And, you know, it's important right. to talk about this. You know, because it wasn't, it's not easy and it's going to happen to a whole lot of people. It's already right. happening to a whole lot of people. Right. And do you see this also too? Is like, do you see that uh, those that are interested that seem to be coming to these cut talks, are they mostly a, a generational thing, or do you see uh, younger folks uh, wanting to learn more about it as well? Yeah, it's it's everybody, young and old. Um, it, it, very interesting, and people ask a lot of good questions, and they're very concerned about this. They want to know about support groups. They want to know about finances. They want to know about end of life care. Um, you know, this is something that we don't talk about in our society. And I, and I have to say, I, I don't think our doctors do real well talking about it either. So, you know, it's important, it's important to talk about it. Hey, cause we're all going to die of something at some point. Right. Yeah. And, and do you see, so when you're reaching out and, and doing these talks, or is it mostly at say like libraries or as you say, libraries, bookstores, or are they usually at senior centers or who are the I haven't done any senior centers. It's been libraries, bookstores, and churches. Wow, okay. I, I have a sermon that I do as well, given that okay. I'm a retired, besides a retired nurse, I'm a retired minister, so. <laughs> it, well, and plus, too, is like, you know, you're, so you have books that are based off of some of your, some of your, right. your pathways. So I'm also kind of curious in the word, where does freedom through frugality fit in? Is that because you're a native Vermonter and Vermonters <laughs> are known as being frugal people? Well, very funny. No, I, I think my parents were cheap more than frugal. <laughs> we're children of the depression. So, you know, what can I say? Um, you know, freedom through frugality came um, because Sky and I chose to retire early. We saved... We in the early '90s, we we read a book called "Your Money or Your Life," um, which talked about learning, understanding your relationship with money. And right. so, what we decided to do was follow that program, so we that could retire early to then be able to do volunteer work. Um, and oh, I am forget forever grateful that we did that, given that Sky got diagnosed with dementia at age. 66 with no family history and in perfect health otherwise. And so we had nearly 10 years of volunteering, primarily in New Orleans after Katrina helping rebuild. And we spent our summers in France. And I was actually, a the AARP magazine did a story about us. Huh. And that's when I was approached by a publisher. Oh, could you write a book about this? And so I said, sure, in any way. Long story short, I, the publisher and I didn't agree, and I self-published Freedom Through Frugality. Right. You know, it's it's a way to move through the world. Like, we just didn't buy things because we wanted to have our money available to us to be able to have the freedom to do other things, which is right. what we did. Yeah. And so through through the process of writing your latest book, The Alzheimer's Keenan, what were what were some of the things that you're happy that you wrote previous books so you already knew from from that publishing and writing perspective that you didn't have to learn already? Right. I mean, I knew how to like, you know, create a document. I mean, I remember 
sending off the manuscript for my first book. This was 91. 92, 91, right? Well, it yeah. came out in 92, but it was 91. And it was like paper that you printed <laughs> in a box <laughs> that you sent off, you know, and now it's all online and email, and, you know, PDF right. or whatever, you know. So, no, I felt like I had been around the block on this book thing. So it wasn't a big deal. And so, and, and through through the Alzheimer's Canyon, I, uh, talking about that again, is that you you had um, you know looking at your looking at your the the blog post that happened. Do you how much of the book itself is not in the blog? Um, all of my yearly you know um, all my introductions i wrote a, okay. a general introduction explaining who we were and our life right um and then i divided the blog posts into years and so it was for four and a half years so it's like five years so i wrote an introduction to each year and then i wrote an epilogue um and then i i wrote a thing that i called Jane and Sky's helpful hints <laughs> should you or one of your loved ones uh, be diagnosed with dementia, the right. things that um, we found important. So, yeah. So, no, the book has a lot of stuff that's not on the blog. Now, did you, and I'm really curious because as this was happening, you had uh, um, COVID during yeah. this time as well. Oh, do you talk about that at all in the oh, Alzheimer's yeah. Canyon? Yeah, yeah, way. Yeah. No, I, who knows how this would have gone had we not had COVID. But oh. um, starting in February of 2019, Sky started having hallucinations and he started having them with greater and greater frequency so that by the winter, like by December of 2019 and January of 2020, I was not sleeping because he was up and down all night long with this hallucination or that hallucination. And they were by and large benign, mm -hmm. um, but they would wake me up. Well, he would wake me up. He'd want to tell me about like this thing that was happening that wasn't really happening. Um, and he would go back to sleep and I wouldn't. And I was... I was not doing well with not sleeping. Mm. I didn't do well when we had little babies. And thank goodness he was the one who got up and walked them in the middle of the night. Mm. Um, anyway, the Arbors, uh, the memory care facility in Shelburne offers a respite program where people can stay for two weeks to two months to give the family a break. And so Sky and I talked about that um, in January of 2020. And then in February, we went for a tour. We spent a day and he went to activities and we had lunch and talked to the staff members and stuff. And he agreed to go for a, a time of respite so I could have a break. And I was like, oh man, I'm, I had visions of a beach on an ocean with warm water and fruity cocktails and trashy novels and sloth sleeping while he was well cared for at the arbors. And so we signed up and I placed him there on March 10th, 2020. And then we know what happened next. Right. 
there was, you know, the plan was for him to be there for two weeks. And, and by the time I placed him, I'm like, no Caribbean beach. I can't even go to New York city and go to the theater. Like this weird thing is happening. And then the lockdown happened and I wasn't even allowed to see him until the end of June. It was was really awful, but that was the governor had a lockdown and especially for senior care facilities. You know, we talked on the phone, um, but the first time to be able to see him after all those months, it was um, six feet apart, masked and gowned outside for a half an hour once a week. Wow. And and it it didn't go well because someone with dementia doesn't understand the masks and gowns and the six feet apart. Like he couldn't even see me because at that point he couldn't hold his head up. Um, And so he was staring at the ground. I mean, he knew it was me. He knew my voice. Um, But it was so frustrating to not be able to touch him, sit next to him, you know. Um, It was pretty awful. And I kept trying to decide whether I wanted to keep doing that or not, but I did. Um, And then by fall, we had another lockdown. So we went back to being on Zoom, which doesn't also go over well with someone with dementia. Right. Uh, or the, the the phone was better. Yeah. And, and and what level, you know, coming from a caregiver and a, and a loved one, what, what level of advocacy would you, you know, recommend for the medical establishments like that to for something that might happen again similar in the future? Well. I, we were really lucky with the Arbors because they mm. were amazing and fabulous and, and bless their hearts. I don't know how they did it in the pandemic without the help from family members. You know, when we came on our day when we had the tour, there were family members all over the place. They were helping to feed people and walking with people, sitting with people. And I'm like, oh, my God, the staff had to pull this off all by themselves. They right. did a great job. But I'm also familiar with other senior facilities in the state, and they're not all as good as the Arbors. Um, right. You know, the too many people, and and I have I have to say I remember this from the facility that I worked in, but this was in the '80s. You know, you just parked people by the nurses station and hoped for the best. Like there weren't right. activities, you know, there was some music maybe and stuff, but um, people were not respected as whole people, even though they had dementia because they are still old people. Mm-hmm. So there, there really needs to be some work around that. And, and, uh, and I have to say most of it's financial, right. like, you know, to, to be able to train staff, either facility staff or home care staff in how to deal with people with dementia. Cause you don't argue with them. You don't try to straighten them out. You go with the flow. It's like theater improv. You just like, yeah, whatever, wherever you're going, I'm going with you. Unless it's not safe, then you have to redirect somebody, but otherwise you have to just kind of go with the flow. Well, you bring up a good point. Do you feel as though it's like would that would your book also help out in the set in, in in the situation of a you know making sure people are trained in how to 
um, work with someone with dementia, like some sort of, you know, specialty certification or something along those lines. Is there an educational aspect to the book as well? That's a good question. I think it, that would depend on the person reading it. I would like mm. to think people reading it would get educated that to understand that people with dementia are whole people who have lives and they may be doing things that like you and I don't do, but you know, like Sky had this whole, in his hallucinatory world, he had a relationship with the natural world, like with trees and flowers and they, they had names and they talked to him and like, that's completely amazing. Like, mm. you know, is there some level of consciousness that you and I don't know about? Right. You know, and so for um, professionals to be able to understand that, that people with dementia have like a whole life that should be respected um, for what it is and not like, oh, no, 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 the trees don't talk. But like, wait a mm. minute, maybe they do and we just don't right. know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But and so where where do you see uh, so what are your hopes um, moving forward? You know, with the book because it's an evergreen book. It's not necessarily a book that is uh, you know specific that it, this could this book can be you know read ten years from now. Right. Um, what yeah. what are your what are your hopes? Um, where do you see um, your book and where do you see your role in, in as an author and advocate for Alzheimer's right now? Well, first I want to make Sky famous. That's the most important thing, <laughs> you know, because there are so few books written by people with dementia and, and, you know, he, he clung to the ones, you know, the couple that really spoke to him. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm hoping this is true for other people that this will, that this book will bring people with dementia some comfort to know that this diagnosis, you know, as, horrible as it is, it's not the end of the world, but you can still have a really good life, even with dementia. Um, and, you know, I feel like just that's my role is to get that word out. Right. Um, and, and do you see anything, uh, you know, I, I, I realized the book just, you know, the, the book came out, you know, as of this recording, this book, the book came out two months ago. Right. Um, is there uh, any other conversations that you're having on trying to do other supplements to this or, or, or adding, was there anything that was cut out or anything um, that you'd let you want to add on to it or putting into a, a, another sequel book to this or anything around those lines? Well, no, there's been no conversation about that. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, it's doing, you know, I, I, I've been on the road with this, right. The book came out November 1st. So I've been on the road doing stuff since then. And, and I'm booked, you know, pretty much through May. Um, and doing this work is amazing. And it's also emotionally wrenching. Like this is mm. my husband who died. And right. sometimes I don't want to talk about it so much, you know, like, you know, yeah. it's tough. Um, yeah. And so I'm excited about being part of the work in the legislature this year. Um, hopefully we can get some bills passed. There's, um, they want to get a, a Vermont dementia coordinator, which would be amazing because that would help um, professionals as well as advocate for families. So um, that's kind of what I'm doing now. Right. What advice would you give authors who 
publish a, an incredibly personal book and what, what advice would you give them, you know, moving forward and how would, what would you tell them? Self-publishing is fine if you have a niche market and, but yeah. God forbid, if you self-publish, do hire an editor and a graphic designer. I have read too many like, oh, I'm just going to do this thing on Amazon and you can't even read it because it's not edited. Um, you know, take the time to, to, to make it good. Um, right. And, and, you know, I wasn't familiar with this hybrid publishing thing. Um, and so that has its positive aspects because the, with the hybrid publishing, it's basically like you're self-publishing, but the publisher deals with all the, the publicity and the marketing and mm. getting in with the book distribution people, which I don't completely understand. So it's worth paying somebody to do that for you. Um, and, and, and this seems to be the new wave you know, unless you're Prince Harry or somebody famous <laughs> who gets a $40 million contract. <laughs> and he didn't even write it. He had a ghostwriter too. Of course he must have, you know, and he hardly needs $40 million. Think of what you and I could do with $40 million. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the publishing world is, you know, it's like a completely different animal than it was 30 years ago when my first book came out. You know, and my first book is still in print, which still blows my mind, but... um Anyway, yeah, the publishing world, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, good. And so, and what, and what other advice would you give somebody that that as a, that might be writing a book that has a, a like a memoir that has a lot of personal stories in it? That it's if 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 it gets published and you have yeah. to do you know publicity for it, it's an emotionally wrenching experience. Right. It's really really hard. And it's also really, really great at the same time. It's a, it's a very right. strange experience because my other books were personal, but they weren't personal like this. Right. You know, yeah. so this is tough. Well, you know, so Jane, if people want to, if people want to buy the book, where's the best place could, where's the best place they could go? Well, I like people to go to their local bookstore, wherever mm. your local bookstore is. And Worst comes to worst, you can buy it from Amazon. You can also go on my website, janedwinell.com, and buy it from me, or you can go on Rootstock Publishing's website and buy it from them. Right. But there you and, go. and please ask your library to get a copy. That's a good point. Yeah. So please go to your local library and ask them for uh, ask them to see if they can order the yeah, a copy completely because it should be accessible to everyone, whether or not you buy books. If people want to learn more about you, as you said, they can go to Jane com, correct? Right. And that is G A N E D W I N E L L.com. And we'll add that to the show notes for those that want to click on the button and see that in the show notes for our listeners. I look forward to probably seeing you on the Capitol, probably. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks.